make the moves that break the rules. A fool and his money are soon parted, so we take from fools. If and when you ever fall down, get back up. Drop some, stop fronting, pick that shit back up. Stand for something or fall for everything. Wait for the right pitch or miss with every swing. In the absence of the truth, bullshit prevails. So what they did, fucked around and threw truth in jail. The objective is to keep you blind. So along with the handcuffs on your arms, they got shackles on your mind. Seek and you shall find, except that failure is the only crime. Fall down eight times, get up nine, nigga. The dog! thought it was like just rich people went off to school and that I wouldn't be able to afford it until I got into like this program called Upper Bound where I found out that it was scholarships and grants and I was going to be able to afford it. So I was like, okay, now I can go off to school, but also being like first generation college student, I was learning things, but also teaching my parents as well as I was like going through it. So there were a lot of things that I had to like learn on my own and learn by doing and learn by watching other people. And so I did another trio program that was like under the umbrella where Upper Bound was called Student Support Services. And that was where I started to learn like, oh, there's also other programs that can support you going off to grad school. And um, I initially wanted to get my MBA coming out of undergrad because my BS is in business management. But um, I spent a summer in East Tennessee in uh, the Ronald Manair program, which essentially prepares first-generation college students for like graduate, postgraduate studies or whatever. And that's when I learned about like MPA, Master's in Public Affairs programs, and a focus on nonprofit management. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to go on to grad school and, you know, continue learning about this nonprofit field because I knew that that was the space I wanted to be in or more like social enterprise. So having like a mission and having like you're financially sustainable, but you're also have like this mission. So it's like a double bottom line. And um, yeah, I think when I got to Indiana, that's when I realized that not everyone goes directly from undergrad to graduate school, because I was one of very few people who went directly in. A lot of people had paused for like one to five years, some longer than that to get some work experience so they could bring it back. So a lot of times when we were doing group work, 
I had more experience with group work because I literally came from undergrad doing group work and other people were like, oh, well, I'm coming for this job where we don't necessarily like we collaborate, but we don't do this type of group work. So I think for me, it was trying to navigate the space as like a first timer, you know, in my family that had like went off to school. And there were others that had like went to school, but not like a four year institution and all of that. So I think it was a lot of like learnings that I had to like navigate through. And I think it was also this interest in wanting to knowing that I or feeling like I needed to learn more so people could see me as an expert. And that's a whole host of things to unpack there. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, agreed that there's a whole host of things to unpack there. But one thing that, that sort of came to mind while you were sharing that part of your journey is just so much of like what we choose to pursue is based on like what we even know exists. Like, I feel like that was kind of a theme throughout is like, you learn that, you know, you learn that this is an option or like you learn, you know, even in some cases you retroactively be like, Oh, I didn't even, you know, other people ended up in this with different paths that I wouldn't have considered, you know, like other people end up in grad school at a different time in their life or like in a different context that I do. But it's like, until you see those examples um, or until you see examples of success that you want, you know, past the success that feel truer to you than the more traditional ones, sometimes like you just don't know that those are options that exist. Like so much of the the knowledge gap comes from like, even just being able to see things as a possibility. Right. And I think that for me, it came from, like you said, the examples of seeing other people doing it, but also what I have been conditioned to think. And this is like no shade to anybody that has like been instrumental in my life. But I just think about, you know, my guidance counselor, after I had to like stalk her down and she started to like send me scholarships and stuff like that, but was like, you know, you go off to school, you get a career, you get this job. So I think that's all that I like thought about like how can I get this job and how can I like help my family but then when I went off to undergrad in the summers okay so growing up I'm from a small town I also was raised on a farm so I I didn't have like my first job until I went off to college because I worked on the farm we had like tobacco and a garden and all of that so I did all of that and my dad paid all of us to like do that work with him so that was like my first job so that's number one so When I went to my first official job outside of like the farm that we had, it was working at a camp, a YMCA camp. Um, It was a resident camp. So the kids came and they stayed for a week or some stayed for seven weeks, you know, if their parents were balling, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, And so for me, that job did a lot of things. One, it was a chance for me to just like know that I had the experience from working on the farm that I could translate some of those skills to this resident camp. But also I was one, maybe two of um, Black counselors of maybe like 25 that we had on staff at this resident camp. And it was mostly white kids. We did have like some other kids of color. You know, you may see one Black kid once a week, but it was very like sparingly. And so when they saw me, they were like, oh my God, there's someone that looks like me. And I just felt like, one, I'm happy that I'm in this space, but two, like, this is wild. Why is it like that? And so that was part of my, like, I, like you said, I have seen things a certain way, but then I start to question, like, do I need to go into business? Do I, at that time I was a psych major, do I need to go and continue with the psychology realm? And that's when I start to learn more about the nonprofit field. And I had this goal of being like one of the first Black CEOs of a YMCA branch because 
I got big goals in life. From the experience too. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah, it was just one of those of like, I want more kids that are going to these camps to see someone that looks like them at the top and not just like, just a camp counselor. Cause I think it's incredible work to be a camp counselor, but if you don't see someone that looks like you at the top, then you never know what is possible. You know, it, it's hard to look in the mirror. If you see someone staring back at you that you feel doesn't look like you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Cause a lot of the time it's like, we do need to draw those. We need to be able to see it in order to believe it. And that phrase legitimately works whenever we are assessing how best we want to navigate in the future. That's why even when Obama was elected president. In addition to him being the first black president, it was also just that realization like, wow, for every other generation now that looks at that lineage of presidencies, they can see like, okay, there's someone out there that does look like me. This is within the realm of my possibilities too. But to that point about Obama too, though, like, I also feel like there's a difference seeing those examples of representation being someone like on a screen. And obviously that's still really like powerful. And like, you know, there's a lot of conversations even around like, you know, fictional characters and how representation matters there. And I definitely see the value in all that. But I also feel like it's a little bit different actually engaging with someone like I think the camp counselor example is like can go further in some ways because it's like you're not only seeing that image on screen and being like, oh, that could be me. You're actually speaking and, and engaging with someone directly like someone is playing a role in your day-to-day life that obviously you know can have even more of an impact in terms of just like really knowing what's possible most definitely like there were times growing up when i went to camp or even if i reflect back on my boarding school experience too where black faculty members just seeing them they were just able to having them there was just good to be able to see like okay if i do want to go down this path that's great but also for that general support system because then you felt like okay i can take whatever mask i had on that day often just relate on a real level. Taking off that mask is real because we wear the mask all the time. Sometimes I feel like we even have that mask on in spaces where we feel comfortable. And sometimes it takes the other person saying like, bro, you ain't got to be like that. (laughs) 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 Or they make a little joke and they say, okay, you understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's real. Like, I feel like every, I guess, organization that I've ever been a part of, I've had to wear a mask. And and sometimes it's the worst when it's like people can recognize. Like, I don't know, I was just thinking because I actually had a conversation recently and I came away from it thinking like the amount of times that like a white male has told me like, well, obviously I want there to be less people who look like me and, you know, these types of positions. And I'm like that, (laughs) that, first off that's cap. And it's also (laughs) like, you know, that does nothing. But then it also then, you know, also opens up conversations around like, a lot of times folks feel like they're just going with like the best candidate for something or like they're just, you know, they're going based on what they think makes someone, I mean, to use a a word that you used earlier, like they go based on like someone who's considered an expert, but then it's like, well, a lot of times the only reason that that person was able to get considered an expert is because of the, you know, inequalities and inequities that occur multiple times earlier in that journey that makes it harder for other people to end up in those same positions. But it's just like, those are always frustrating moments for me because it's like, I'm almost, they're almost encouraging me to like somewhat acknowledge that I'm wearing a mask, but in doing so, it's like, I still can't keep it a buck with you in this. Like you, just because you address that this is an issue doesn't mean I can like really keep it all the way real with you in terms of like how I feel about it. I just have to wear a different kind of mask. Right. And the the frustrating thing sometimes too, Zim, with that, it's like, I don't even think we're looking at it or whenever we look at filling up these spaces as a point where it's like. I want to see less of these people in a room. It's like, no, no, no. I just want to see more of these people in these rooms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it it removes it from proximity to whiteness because I feel like we're always like comparing we meaning the world, not we 
us in here. We've been conditioned to like have it be this proximity to whiteness. So like, oh, we're able to do this because like if white man can do, I can do it too. And it's like, no, boo, like you do the best you can with whatever you can. And don't like you have to compare it to somebody else. Like you go to the place that you want to go and not feel like you have to compare to somebody else. So I think that's a real thing. And also to that person is like, yeah, I want less of these people. It's like, what you going to do about it? Are you going to give up your spot? Are you going to relinquish power? Are you going to hire somebody to look like me? No. Okay. We'll shut your mouth. But also that comes with like, you could be putting your job on the line to say something like that. That's another thing about it too. Yeah. It's like, how real can we get at times? But a lot of it, it's like, I feel like people just want the um, the kudos and the congrats. Meanwhile, it's like, hey, this is, I'm not saying that's what you're supposed to do, you know, but it's like, don't, just don't pander to me. It's like, I don't, it's like I'd rather not talk about this at all if you're going to start pandering, you know? And the conversation that they're going to have with us are going to be different than they're going to have with their other peers. I'm pretty sure that they wouldn't bring that up, I guess, back when we were in the office at the water cooler, just looking around for, with people that look like them, like, hey, we need less of us in this room. <laughs> I bet you that's never come come to discussion. Right. And I'm like, what's the conversation that you're having with your people? Because I, I think about like last year, you know, around May, June, when a lot of the world realized that racism existed and it started in May 2020 to some people. And, you know, I got a lot of texts from people and they were like, oh, my I'm thinking of you. You know, I can't imagine what you're going through, blah, 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 blah. Let me know what I can do. And I said, you know what you can do? You can talk to your people. That's what you can do. You can tell your uncle that he's racist and you're racist too. And you also can walk through like ways to become anti-racist. Like that's what you can do, fam. Like texting me, okay, bet. But like, I've been living this life. I've been seeing these microaggressions. I've been telling you about it, but you haven't said anything. So now I want you to do your work because you need to do your work. And some people responded (laughs) and some people were like, Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, <laughs> See, but then it's like they they did, they tried to pander and you're like, all right, let's actually have this real conversation. And then they took that step back like, whoa, 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 this is a lot for me now. And then they flip it as if now they're the victim. And it's like, come on. It's like, you want to keep it a buck or do you not? You're right. Or do you not? And I feel like it's not. But uh, I think for me, it's like, okay, y'all want to start having a conversation. Y'all want to put out these like statements, be in solidarity, put your little black square up in July all of that stuff you want to do. But when it comes down to it, like I'm tired of seeing organizations that are serving 90% kids of color, but yet the leadership is all white. That's what blows me. Like you're not, you're putting out these statements, but you're not really like, because that is inequitable. Like you're not creating these spaces. Um, You're not getting out of the way you're not doing the work that you like talk about. You're just doing it because it's cute and it will get you some more likes and reshares. But I think that's the real thing. It's like that hurts, you know, to see that and that people are just like, huh, I could put out this statement and we're good. You know, we hire this DEI person and we're good to go, you know. Yeah, I had a conversation with someone recently and the way they framed it was diversity, for instance, which is obviously a very broad term in and of itself. But like, if we can take, you know, what we're talking about and call it diversity in this context, it's like, it needs to be talked about, but it shouldn't be a talking point. And I feel like that was such a great way of breaking it down for me, because it is like, you know, once you start to address it in ways that are just like lip service or are just like reading the room and being like, oh, we need to be woke for our, like our bottom line is going to be, you know, improved by us positioning ourselves as a woke company. And I think what a lot of times what folks on the other end of that fail to realize is that like, 
the bullshit is obvious. Most of the time, like, if you try to pander, like, people are going to very much see that that's what you're doing is pandering. But, you know, they continue to kind of operate that way because it is sort of like, all right, let's just check this box, not make any substantial improvements, but then try to reap the benefits of being like, well, you know, this is an issue that we talk about. You know, like a lot of times it's like people think, and this isn't even organizations, like people in general think that like recognizing that something is a problem is the act of solving that problem. And it's like, no, that's the bare minimum. Like all you've done is like been in a house that's on fire being like, oh shit, this house is on fire. <laughs> still <Yeah>. burning. <laughs> still burning. I also feel like this is a good time to pause oh. and, and do some introductions. <laughs> we're pretty oh, deep I was, in I, I was <laughs> uh, so what's up, y'all? Welcome back to You Free, our communal podcast. You got Ozim on the line. You already heard Eric. And who are we speaking with today? Hi, everyone. I'm Malaron Hodge. Important live at this moment from Bun, North Carolina. And um, I'm the director of community collaboration and design at a fairly large nonprofit. And I really enjoyed that. And then on the side, my like, passion project, my passion business is uh, Baddies with Business. So it's a podcast that showcases the stories of Black women entrepreneurs in year zero to five. And when I'm not behind the mic, I'm also consulting on the side supporting folks who have early stage ideas. Oh, hey, that's like dope. That. Well, speaking of baddies with business, I mean, we already talked a little bit earlier, obviously, about like your own experiences with, with how representation is important. So I'm assuming that that was some of the impetus behind starting the podcast in the first place. But, you know, what, what else kind of led you to the creation of that? And, and what's that journey been like? So I would start with the consulting work that I've been doing. So it's a lot of like using like human-centered design, so to speak, but more like coaching people who have ideas that they've been thinking about and they just haven't gotten them off the ground. So that's the work that I've been doing for the last couple of years. And so I say fast forward to the beginning of last year and I was doing some coaching and some like pitch practice for folks. And so when the pandemic started and I was, you know, locked down in my new apartment that I had just moved in a couple months before, I was like, I'm thankful that I have a salary and I know there's a lot of people who do not, who have small businesses, specifically black women, you know, anybody, any person of color, I want to slide them some coins, but especially black women. And so I would purchase items every week. I purchased like a minimum of one thing, but every week I would purchase something and then I would post a picture of it on Instagram. And so about two months in, I was like, this is great, but I want to have more of an impact. And so I thought about some of the skills that I have around like pitching and storytelling and just, you know, sitting on porches in the summer and sitting on couches and talking to my friends. So the idea of a podcast kind of popped into my head. And so I did what um, I coach people to do. It's like I went to those who would be like my users. So I went to some friends who were entrepreneurs and asked them, hey, I have this idea of possibly creating this podcast that would showcase stories like yours. One, would you be interested in being on it? And then two, would you listen? And so she was like, yeah, this is great, Mallory. And I was like, okay, bet. I'm going to go to another person to ask them because maybe you're just being nice right now. <laughs> so yeah, I went yeah, to another yeah. person and it was still like every time I asked a friend, it was a yes, 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 yes. So then the final friend I asked, um, she was like, this is incredible because you've helped me like tell my story. When are we recording? I was like, let's record on Sunday. This was Friday at that time. So I was like, let's record on Sunday. Didn't know how to record, didn't know anything, but I had to learn very quickly. So I went to YouTube University to like get caught up on all the things. And um, yeah, we recorded 
that episode and then I actually recorded nine more. And so they were like, okay, when is it going live? And I was like, okay, I'm gonna just go with June 1st because why not? Let's just choose that. It's beginning of the month. And so I had like a little soft launch on Zoom and played the first episode. And then from there, I was like, look, y'all, I'm going to start this Instagram account. I'm going to push it out. Hopefully we'll get some people listening, but I just really want to start like this small movement, getting these stories out there. And the reason for Black women is that we are outpacing any other race and ethnicity in starting ventures, yet we are not making it past infancy stage, which is around year five. And so since my focus is with consulting is on year zero to five, like very early stage, I wanted that to be like the niche focus because my hope, my long-term vision is that being able to create the space where they're sharing stories and building their network and connecting with one another that will support them in being able to get to year five and beyond if they choose to. So that's like a long-term vision from now is that this will be the initial like support and kind of like stepping stone to get to that place of making it outside of their infancy stage. So that has been the vision and what has continued to push me forward. And now I'm looking at almost one year since I've been doing this. And there's um, quite a few people. I hit 6,000 downloads, which is like pretty major. So yeah, it's been really cool to just like be on that ride and really think about while the stories that are being shared are of Black women, they are touching the lives of everyone who listens to them. Kudos to you with the get up and go attitude that you had, because I feel like a lot of the times people can get like analysis paralysis before they go out there and push something to the world. So it's nice that you're, you actually took the time to survey around your friends and and your given peers and just say, fuck it, I'm going to just put a date on the calendar and go with that. And I think that moving in that way also reflects the kind of person you are with all the coaching that you were doing, all the seeds that you're planting that are going to sprout no matter when they do sprout, whether they're being rooted right now or going to come to the surface. I truly, truly love that. Come on, seeds. Okay, my little farmerness is rubbing off on you. You see the connection, right? From the farm back to the seeds and the dots. Yeah, no, it's that go-getter mentality. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Because at the end of the day, like, if you spend too much time trying to make it perfect before people can, you know, engage with it, like, it's not going to be perfect. Like, you need to be able to allow something like that to evolve, you know, once it's already out there, as opposed to being like, okay, I'm going to do everything behind closed doors and then just kind of share it with the world once it's done. It's like, no, like, once it's out in the world, it's going to continue to grow. And then also one thing which I think is really cool is, like, hearing you talk about it, it feels like it's less about, like, having public conversations as much as like taking conversations that would already be had behind closed doors and and making them public right it's not like i don't know this just seems like it's very like organic like you would already be focusing on these topics you would already be speaking to people about this you would already be you know working on building this network it's just that there's the added impact of it being public facing so now like in addition to the people the guests themselves who come on and the network itself that you know you're creating it can now reach anybody all over the world who listens to it as well. Yeah. And I think that to your point, something that has been powerful is seeing how people have responded. So I had one friend of mine who I went to high school with who I hadn't talked to in like pretty much since we graduated. And she hit me up, slid into my DMs on Instagram. And she was like, Maloran, I just want you to know, I've been listening to your podcast and it has inspired me to try to go after some of these things that I've been thinking about, like really make some of these ideas come to life. And 
this is like a white woman from like Bun, where I'm from, and we cheered together. But like the fact that she was able to find this connection, it really meant a lot because it was just like those little pieces of the story that you may not get if it's just like, because I, I often feel like I'm a pause on that. So I often feel like there's stories that are often shared. It's just like how you've made it to like multi-millions and all of those things. Like when you're further down the road or you just happen to have someone who invested early and you were able to like blow up overnight. But I feel like we often don't hear enough of those stories around like the tough times where like you literally want to quit, like literally want to throw in the towel. And so I didn't want... It's not like I'm trying to put on display like the challenges that Black women are facing. What I'm trying to do is illuminate that you will have those moments that are like dark and you feel like you're alone, but I want you to know you're not alone. And in this moment, hopefully there can be some connection where you're able to realize, okay, Tiffany went through this on Miss Humblebee's Hive or Carla went through this on Viola's Heritage Bread. So I know that I can make it to month eight because I'm able to like take some of these learnings from them. And so it just makes me think about how there's like these little connections that I'm hearing connections for myself personally when I hear the stories, even though some of the stories like I already know, but it's just like, oh, but hit different. And then like hearing people say, you know, I needed this in this moment this week as you drop the episode. So I think that has just been like what has made me continue is like, it's not only like getting there, venture out here, but it's just like, it's just sharing stories of hope that we need to hear during this whole Panini press that we're in. (laughs) Not entirely. I think you described that beautifully. They say that one of the greatest human acts is to inspire others in hopes that they can then inspire the person next to them and have that sort of being that snowball effect. And especially like within this digital space where we don't know when people are going to be listening to these episodes at all, but just having those nuggets of inspiration around just to spark that next change for that individual, that's a powerful thing. And it also speaks to the fact that like you can change one, like changing one person's life is as important as changing countless lives. Like, you know, like to take it back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Like there are some kids who see Obama as president and like, you know, through the screen or inspire, but then it's also like that counselor who may only be engaging with one or two students, like that's still, you know, a really tangible impact. Like all of us are, all of us have the ability to really play that positive influence in other people's lives and also to change the narratives around a lot of this stuff. Um, and on the narrative note, I, w- I was talking to someone else recently about the idea of like a montage in a movie and how like in reality, that montage that gets shown in two minutes of like the person training is really like the majority of the actual yeah. process. You know, it's like yeah. all the little things, the day to day things that like we want to gloss over. We want to, you know, throw eye of the tiger on and see like a two minute fast forward scene through. But it's like you actually have to go through all of those little things to really, you know, come out with with whatever it is that everyone else sees at the end of the day. So, yeah, I just feel like the, the you know, writing and telling these stories, you know, in our own words and addressing things in different contexts that aren't always addressed or just shining lights on different pieces that sometimes are overlooked. Like that could, does go a long way. Yeah. I think that like looking behind the curtain and just seeing how the production comes together, you know, we often don't want to show that because we're like, we have to have this pristine thing out in the open as opposed to like, no, there's a lot of learnings that you can get from that process, but there's a lot of learnings that other people can get. And, um, I think sometimes that we're in this like instant place. So I, I think of like a instant as like a microwave as opposed to like just letting it just cook slow, like a slow cooker or 
an oven. You know, we want to see this instant thing. We want to see like what it is overnight. But actually, in in actuality, for most people, for most entrepreneurs, it is like baking, and it's going to take time. And you know, you're going to have to heat it up, and you're going to have to get to this place. And and you may not be able to sit there and watch. You may have to do other things, but you're going to get to that place where it's going to be done, and you're ready to put it out to the world. And it may suck, but you can like tweak some recipe, tweak some ingredients on the back end to put it back in there. But I think in order for us to get to this place of really being able to move and change and create a, a world that reimagines some things, we have to be willing to put in the work for it to bake and not um, microwave. I don't know if that was helpful or if y'all mm-hmm. like, man, I need to put some in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense too. Cause we even discussed when we think about that whole microwave element, we're just like this fast culture right now, even when you look at music and it's just like, you can be in like this white hot space, which is like really cool for the moment. But like 10 years down the line, where is that going to lead you? You know, so it's like, especially when it comes to inspiration, this is this is a lifelong thing. And it's like we're not doing it just for these moments. You know, it's like we're doing it in order to have that continuous change or have it leak down from generations and generations. I listen back to episodes sometimes for things that we dropped two years ago. And I'm like, damn, I said that? Oh, shit, damn, I'm actually doing that now. You know, so it's like even being able to utilize the digital space as like a, our own personal diary that's shared to the world is a very, very unique circumstance. What's meant for me is already written, you can't erase it. I gotta write these vibes straight up out my mama basement. A college graduate, I thank the Lord, a nigga made it. First in the family, how that nigga make it through the matrix. About to drop another classic, it's back to the basics. God is really using me for a bigger purpose. The shit I spit will make them sick and make these niggas nervous. Back to myself, I found myself by investing in splurging. I got another dream to change the word with every word God been showing me. This life a growing tree, young Simba. I've been patient for the winter, time to bundle up and huddle up, my nigga, we gon' get them. I've been back and forth with overthinking, I just learned the reason, the enemy can't get to me, I'm back in for a season, I'ma black out and rap out, my whole life mapped out, I'ma give them the chills, real thrills, I can't app out, nah, take a second now, I'm just getting better now, time for it, sweaters now, 4 a.m., I'm up, ain't in no rush, on a new level now, I just quiet the devil down, I'm about to settle down, marrying the woman of my life, took great advice, took some time, I can't Wine. Got my focus on my grind, ain't moving light. Heavyweight ain't moving slight. I just move with patience, only built for greatness. I'm just working on my purple tape. I'm in another space and gotta levitate. Some days I reminisce on Union Station, left the train state of mind. I'm just in the winter time shine and got this little light of mine. I'ma come up, only get better with time. My dreams is on the run up, nigga.